Welcome to the Nerd Review. This is the show where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, books, and comic books. You are listening to Season 2, Episode 13, and today we are talking about one of my favorite, all-time favorite, childhood movies, Osmosis Jones. So let's jump into that now. Osmosis Jones, the movie that hit theaters like a bacterial infection and left audiences scratching their heads. Released in 2001, this blockbuster bomb managed to combine animated silliness with live-action confusion, creating a nostalgic time capsule of the early 2000s for any kid that got to see it. So grab your flip phone and strap on your cargo pants and we'll take a comical journey back to the world of Osmosis Jones. Now, before we jump into the movie, I want to take a second and appreciate the idea and the premise of the movie. Um, That there is this entire civilization inside your body with homes and jobs and a police force tasked with finding and eliminating germs. I, I absolutely love this idea. It's right up there with Looney Tunes back in action. Such a fun premise to play with. There are so many funny concepts and puns that lend themselves to this premise. And they got away with a ton of adult jokes and innuendos about the body. Um, And now that I think back about that, they're absolutely hilarious, especially when it's hidden in plain view in a kid's movie. That's just top-notch comedy. And it's it's fun to revisit and rewatch and pick up on all of these jokes that you missed when you were seven or eight years old watching this movie for the first time. And another thing that I want to hit on before getting into this particular adventure inside the human body, I want to mention the first adventure that I got to experience. And I think a lot of people my age also got to experience, and that would be the adventure of the magic, the magic, the magic school bus episode Inside Ralphie. Uh, this aired in 1994, and this is the episode where they take a tour through Ralphie's body when he's uh, too sick to go on the field trip so they go in through the cut on his knee uh and now this wasn't exactly the same as osmosis jones the magic school bus was intended uh, you know it's an ed- educational series and osmosis jones is a wacky animated slash live action film um but they share this common theme the exploring the wonders of the human body in the most bizarre and entertaining way possible. And I, I say that myself and others who were, were lucky enough, lucky enough, that's what I say, uh, to grow up with the original Magic School Bus. There's the the remake, I believe it was Netflix that did that, which is, is, is pretty good nonetheless. But the original Magic School Bus are the bedrock of the fan base and make up the entire cult that still enjoy Osmosis Jones to this day because we were primed for it by watching these episodes like Inside Ralphie and this idea this concept of like going inside the body still pops up um, now and again there's a fantastic episode of Rick and Morty with that exact same idea when Rick makes an amusement park out of a person's body and they they took some more Jurassic Park riffs in in this episode Um, but it definitely gave me Magic School Bus and Osmosis Joan vibes that's that's for sure and and uh, moreover both the Magic School Bus and Osmosis Osmosis Joan really 
Osmosis Jones. I, I feel like I'm going to cut a lot of S's off of that title as I continue to repeat it. Um, they really embrace the gross and weird aspects of the human body. They, they fundamentally understand that kids have a fascination with bodily functions and they, are, they use that curiosity to engage and entertain. And whether that's watching a, a white blood cell battle a virus or taking a wild ride through the intestines, and, and I mean, both of these movies went right up to an inside of butt and talked about all the fecal matter and poop inside of us, which is uh, just some of that like late 90s, early 2000s wild kid stuff that I feel like would never get released these days. Like you went where and you talked about what in that episode? That's I just feel like that's what would happen. It would be all over Facebook and the show would be boycott in a minute. Um, now I digress. They managed to tap into that odd, gross fascination and in one hand, turn it into an exciting experience and in the other a wild buddy cop comedy drama inside the body of like Bill fucking Murray like I don't know how they got him to sign that I remember um, the whole thing around him doing Garfield by accident because of the person who wrote it now there is some dispute on that and they say that he knew that he was signing up for it, but some people argue that he just saw the name of the writers on it and it was like off by like one letter and it was two different people so take it with a pinch of salt I like like to believe that that's actually what happened they even made a joke about it in um i believe it was the ending of Zombieland 2 they made a like a joke about him going to uh like a signing for garfield uh that's very funny now i'm I, I feel like that all that said is i feel like that's what happened with this movie like how did you get him to do like another really weird uh like over the top not even over the top it's kind of like underacting it's like well some of it's over the top Mo uh, molly shannon definitely went like all out uh and there's scenes with her behind the scenes where she said that was the uh the directing um they were very then like the whole production team was very like like encouraging if she was you know if this scene called for her to to be very you know boisterous and laughing that like if she really went you know all the way with it they told her even more like keep laughing make it even bigger um so you know it was it, that was kind of one of the the, the criticisms of the movie too that it was a bit uneven between not even just the live action and the animated scenes but from one live action scene to the next you'd have like over the top you know overacting and in the next you'd have just like kind of deadpan like uh, that wasn't really that funny like the it was supposed to be written funny and the delivery was just maybe a bit weak which again it's, it's weird when you have scenes that are mostly Bill Murray and, and Molly Shannon and other great actors and they kind of just like fall flat and you got to think that 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 has like multitude of, la of layers like it's not just them it's like the writing the acting the delivery the 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 filming the, the cinematography is very like in the live action scenes it's just like straight camera maybe top down there's nothing really happening there's a lot of gross transitions where they go like right into Bill Murray's mouth while he's chewing and that just played into the the gross humor aspects and um I, I mean all of that to say i don't really care what the critics say or the you know like how poorly osmosis jones did at the box office and i mean it did really fucking bad but uh you know haters are gonna hate and that's fine uh this movie is is like a childhood masterpiece in my mind but it's really not but it is but it's not uh it's it's one of my honest in one of my 
honest nerd opinions. It's just, it's a really funny movie um, that I like to rewatch. So if we go back to the main focus of today's episode and not the magic school bus and nostalgia, I am almost sure, like 95% sure that I saw this movie in theaters. I saw Osmosis Jones in theaters. It was a summer release and it's funny because while doing research in the post analysis of the box office crash, some $2 words for you, um, some outlets claim that Osmosis Jones suffered uh, in the box office from being released against other big comedies um, such as Rush Hour 2 and The Princess Diary which absolutely both of these movies are absolutely hilarious and in any judge of film way better than Osmosis Jones. However, that said, in 2001, I was seven and one, wasn't going to see Rush Hour 2 in theaters. I definitely saw it on VHS when it came out. I think my mom rented it. Um, and two, I, I nor my brother were going to ask my mom to go see The Princess Diary in theaters, uh, which is funny because it is one of my aunt's favorite movies and again we probably saw it the moment it came out on like home video um and i just think it's hilarious because my brother and i wound up being the exact target audience for this movie and it makes sense why pretty much all of our friends also saw this movie because they were also boys age two to seven two to seven seven to ten i had i, I have the age gap written down right here in my notes and i still said it wrong <laughs> so um they were boys aged seven to ten uh and this is what i was just saying about like it's like all of our people our age and our friends make up the entire cult following for this movie because we funnily enough managed to be that target audience uh, which is just a fun anecdote that i that i realized while doing all the the background research for this movie um so let's let's talk about the movie itself now let's talk about the cast first uh chris rock lent his voice to the titular character titular character whatever uh osmosis jones the street white blood cell who was cracking jokes and fighting off infections um like a white blood cell version of spider-man <laughs> he's just like constantly quipping and who needs the responsible officer of frank which i love uh when you have this sassy cell with attitude and all of this action and infection busting like i said it happens inside bill murray and bill murray plays frank he's the real life character and he's a man who made it his mission to turn his body into a garbage disposal there is one of the most disgusting scenes in this movie and I, I feel like when I originally watched it I had a completely different reaction when he devours this hard-boiled egg after the monk like there's a monkey he works at a zoo okay so it makes sense that there's a monkey there this movie's not that random um and he drops the egg or the monkey grabs it puts it in his mouth he like wrestles with the, the monkey falls on the ground he picks it up and just puts it in his mouth he just he like he eats it it's absolutely disgusting and i 100 percent didn't gag and i didn't have an issue with this when i was seven and i sure as hell didn't cover my eyes when he pops that prop fake dirty egg in his mouth which is what i do now when i see that scene and i'm just like oh no i know what's gonna happen 
22 years ago when this movie came out i was probably cheering thinking it was hilarious and and how rad how gross it was because i recall having so many gross fascinations we had things like creepy crawl incredible edibles which was like a candy making kit it was essentially an easy bake oven idea marketed towards boys and it was mixtures of sugar and other ingredients and you were making like edible candies like gummy candies that were supposed to be brains or just like a gooey slime or you had like some bug molds and and i remember the commercials were amazing it was kids in lab coats making concoctions and stuff and so for sure the hard-boiled egg scene got a totally different reaction from my seven-year-old self uh, god god bless that disgusting part of your adolescence when the bug fascination and the everything like that uh, i remember having bug collections and, and going out in the garden and wanting to like pick up worms and stuff that no no thank you so let's move into the plot and we'll talk about the cast as we go along so the plot of osmosis jones was a pretty straightforward um everything takes place over the course of 48 hours from the moment frank eats that disgusting hard-boiled egg with monkey spit and dirt seasoning uh, we have this whole parallel storylines with the live action scenes featuring frank um the man whose personal hygiene was non-existent and while osmosis jones the quote officer of frank um he starts off patrolling the mouth and he's fighting incoming germs in this tiny mouth copter it's like a little helicopter flying around your mouth and he's firing saliva out of a mounted gun with i'm not getting lips on it and i'm not making any of this up this is in the actual movie the little cannon has lips in it and he has a little like badge and it says like pdf f or something police department of frank if i'm, if I'm not mistaken and this opening sequence quickly sets up Osmosis Jones as the problematic officer on the force making mistakes, causing ha havoc through the body of Frank, uh, population 35 trillion. There's this funny sign uh, that says downtown Frank uh, when you come down the throat and there, you know, like all the capillaries and all the, the, the red, you know, tubing of your throat is actually little apartment buildings and all the cells, you know, live in the, in the walls of these apartment buildings and then you see this big you know traffic sign the classic you know white and and green sign says downtown frank with a population number that I, it has like hundreds of like not hundreds but zeros from one side to the other and i assume this was a joke at like how many cells are in the human body and according to google that's 35 trillion so uh whole population 35 trillion now so the monkey spit egg was definitely disgusting and germ-written and that's what the movie opens on there's all these little germs running around and they're firing saliva trying to arrest them and that's where the main um antagonist is introduced thrax he's voiced by Lawrence fishburne the menacing virus uh, he rides into frank's body on the egg it was like a weird amalgamation of the matrix and bodily fluid themed episode of fear factor it was quite disgusting now um the i would say flimsy plot of the live action sequences center around frank being lazy and disgusting and self-centered about life and not caring to take you know not caring to wow well, yeah that's a mouthful not 
caring about himself or not taking care of his daughter Shane and this was an emotional aspect of the movie something that the directors Bobby and Peter Farley mention in the making of featurette that they wanted there to be an emotional aspect of the movie and it was this idea that after um, Shane's mother passes away and Frank isn't taking care of himself which ultimately affects his daughter Shane who is played by Elena Franklin something that Shane finally does blurt out uh, in a moment of frustration when she's really angry with Frank um, right before the exciting finale she says that you know he's not taking care of himself and you know if you took care of maybe if he and uh, her mother had taken better care of themselves that she would still be alive and Frank you know he he says like you know oh honey your mother got sick and she turns around and says well how do you think you get sick and she she leaves for her weekend with her friends that Frank wasn't going to take her on instead he wanted to go to a chicken wing festival in Buffalo but we'll we'll get to that part of the plot I don't want to get ahead of myself so we haven't even introduced the rest of the cast so let's not forget Drix the 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 main partner the the other half of of Osmosis Jones. He's a cold pill uh, voiced by David Hyde, uh, Hyde Pierce and this guy was hilarious the 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 delivery the the more monotone aspect he was like siri for the immune system providing medical advice with like i said that monotone voice that could uh put a lullaby to shame his presence added this this like robotic humor to the chaos in frank's body he was like a walking pharmacy dispenser vending machine uh, as a sidekick and you know who needs human emotions when you can have a pill with the personality of an Excel spreadsheet. And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, um, Drix is basically Baymax from Big Hero 6, which is just uh, a kind of mind-blowing. I'm just putting that together now. Um, Drix even looks similar with the red armor. Wow, that's that's amazing. Nothing nothing is ever new. They they completely just ripped off Warner Brothers and and took the 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 whole premise of of Drix when they made Baymax in Big Hero 6. I'm going to have to do more research on that one. I just I just blew my own, I just blew my own mind there. Um now okay, let's let's get back to it. I got to put my mind back in my head after that revelation. Um perhaps the most memorable aspect of Osmosis Jones in my opinion was his attempt to turn the, the human body into that bustling metropolis um, they had you know come up with all these ideas about like where people live and the structure and they created like a whole mayor concept and and you know they came up with the uh, concept of no gravity that you know inside a body you can go up and down so uh, there are streets that you know go straight up and across and up you know they're, they're driving upside down and then they designed the vehicles to make them look like like cells um one of the animating directors and art uh, artists that worked on it said they wanted everything to feel natural so if there's a garbage can um it should look realistic to a body and it should make sense like why there would be a garbage can there and what its purpose would be um and how to interpret all of these different aspects into making um a city inside you know a, a human being um and and that's where we got uh, Mayor Fleming. He's one of the minor antagonists. He's not 
Thrax, but he's like a lazy politician. Uh, and he's voiced by William Shatner, um, animated to be like the perfect symbol of early 2000s politicians, um, complete with the awful Jay Leno style haircut. And this guy ruled over all the bodily functions of Frank, like he was uh, like tiny Donald Trump with like questionable decisions and a lack of empathy for Frank, the other cells within Frank, or even Shane, Frank's daughter. It was uh, it was like a little political drama unfolding behind the eyes of Frank, and I mean not particularly good political drama, but it was an element of the movie, um, and and that mayor controls all of Frank's decisions. And and so because the mayor was lazy and, you know, just content with everything and he didn't want to exercise or change and he wasn't, you know, he was allowing Frank's body to become unhealthy. And there's even a scene when uh, Mayor Fleming announces that they're going to be going to the, the Chicken Wing Festival that I mentioned and it cuts to apartment complex and it has a title that says Love Handles and you see all the cells are, are cheering because they live in the car, uh, apartment complexes that are being built in the Love Handles and you know in other like little attachment scenes little you know like transition scenes you see the mayor going into his office and he's being hounded by um i think the the, the neural news network nnn um they have their own like news station that they came up with and the reporters are hounding him like where are you what are you doing with all the displaced fat cells where are we going to house them what are you doing about housing for the fat cells and and uh, he's like uh, you can be pleased to announce that we're beginning construction on a third chin and it's just it's jokes like that that i found hilarious and um it it it, it was yeah, it, in my honest opinion, it was it was absolutely hilarious, and it, it was it was well written and definitely well delivered from uh, William Shatner. And a lot of the other comedy in the movie was subtle. Um, there are some really well, uh, really well drawn joke, really funny drawn jokes hidden in the background. I'm going a little mush mouth on us again. Um, the the best most funny one in my opinion uh, is that scene where they're walking into the office after he announced construction on the third chin uh, they walk into his office and there's a statue in the corner in one of the rooms and it says founder it says it says our founder on the statue and it's a statue of an of a sperm like a drawing of an anatomically correct sperm made into a statue on a base that's just that's comedy gold in my opinion that was that was hilarious and um so the movie progresses right and after thrax arrives uh which turns out to be the red death which i i did some googling and is not a real disease uh but it's basically ebola but not actually ebola because there is a scene in the movie that thrax thrax says he makes ebola look like a common cold something to that effect so thrax wants to kill frank in under 48 hours he starts tracking down the other germs and stuff in Frank's body and you know the ones that are hiding the ones that you know he's not taking care of himself so he has some you know gingivitis and, and other other little germs that have taken up residence in his you know he has a, an ingrown toe and this is like the deserted dirty part of town and uh, his his colon has become uh, quite desolate and and there's a whole you know ad campaign down there with Tom Kalonic who's the the other politician in the movie this is what I meant by there's a whole like 
whole political scheme going on in this movie and I don't want to get uh, too too bogged down in the exacts of the entire plot um, but so we'll, we'll go back to Thrax and his plot he wants to kill Frank in under 48 hours to make a name for himself in the medical books as he puts it and he'll do this by stealing uh, one gene or cell from the hypothalamus uh, that throws Frank's body completely out of whack uh, and, and this kind of tracks according to some quick googling the hypothalamus quote helps control the pituitary gland and regulates many bodily functions and I feel like the writers put in the same amount of research into writing the movie that I did into fact checking the movie and that that was something I enjoyed I, it was like they, that, that it tracks slightly um, so if you he steals that one gene and Frank's body starts shutting down he has um, you know he has like a fever and he's you know he's going he's falling unconscious and all that stuff and so when this all starts he has like a sore throat and he's not feeling very well so back in the real world the real life world the movie jumped back and forth between the animated and and the actual scenes with Bill Murray and and his daughter um, Frank so he takes a cold pill which is really only to get Shane to stop worrying about him and avoid a trip to the doctor's office, which is actually a, a decision made by the mayor who apparently has a key that allows him to take direct control of Frank and talk for him. And this was wild. I can't help but think who my mayor is right now. And sadly, I feel like he's probably a relative of Mayor Fleming. It's, it's been a long time since I went to the gym. Um, so, <laughs> so the cold pill um, that he takes is Drix, Drix and all i think it was the the full name so short dricks and is probably the most unintentional funny part of the movie is that the 12 hour cold and flu pill teamed up with a white blood cell managed to beat the red death now that is one goddamn strong golden flu pill and pretty impressive from a white blood cell in a body that has been eating monkey slobber eggs off the goddamn floor and you'd think the plot would have been that drix arrives and all the white blood cells are in this like vague zombie state from not getting any nutrition for years um but okay so i, I digress now uh osmosis and drix or Aussie and drix uh, you know, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. I'll, I'll get to that soon. Don't worry. This is a little joke. Um, they they manage to save Frank, uh, and and Mayor Fleming gets farted out of the body at the end, and Frank goes on a hiking trip with Shane, and it's this cute ending. And the movie is 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 essentially a buddy cop movie from the moment that Drix arrives. He goes around with Osmosis, and it it's funnily enough, it's kind of the plot of like um, Rush Hour One, which was funny because Rush Hour Two was coming out when this movie was coming out but the idea that like um in rush hour it's chris tucker's character that is being assigned to like babysit jackie chan to keep him away from the investigation um and that's basically the mayor's idea that's why he's a minor antagonist he doesn't want them to find out that frank is sick or that frank could be sick so that he could go on his chicken wing festival so he can make new housing for the fat cells which is is comical like that's the like that's the basic plot and motivations of the characters of this movie which is 
quite funny. And so as they're going around, you realize that Osmosis is actually a good detective and he is on the trail of Thrax, but the mayor doesn't believe him. And, you know, the Drix will show up just after the bad guy leaves. So he's not sure. And then it comes together where Drix decides to believe Osmosis and that he's, you know, a good cop. And they do, you know, you know, he throws in his badge, he gets his badge taken away from the mayor. And, and they tell Drix that like he's a 12 hour pill. So he's past his expiration date. And then you have the, the wholesome coming back together and, and deciding to, to fight for good and save Frankie because they know it's the right thing to do. And, and there's like the, the, the disc, this is part of like the disconnect between the animated scenes and the live action scenes. Cause there's these rousing animated scenes with really great voice acting from Chris Rock and David High Pierce and Lawrence Fishburne and William Shatner. And then there's these monotonous, just boring kind of meh live action scenes with Bill Murray looking sick and just moaning. And then like a kind of generic Grey's Anatomy team once he gets to the hospital and they're like, he's dying. He has a fever. Get this, get ice on this man. He's too hot. And then he dies. And there's like, you know, an action scene between Osmosis and Drix and Thrax. And, but then like it pans out and it's just like, oh, he's dead. Oh no, he's alive. And then all the, all the doctor people are like, what, how is that possible? And again, like I said, unplanned hilarity because you're like, wow. Yeah. That 12 hour cold and flu pill just saved this man's life. That's absolutely amazing. I wish we had access to these kind of cold and flu medications. We would be, we'd be, um, way, way better off in our uh, healthcare. If we had these amazing, uh, drugs that are apparently life-saving and, so it's just that, that, that absolutely hilarious. Um, unintended hilarity is what I was saying. Now, uh, so I can admit that I watched this movie with my rose-tinted nostalgia glasses firmly glued to my face. And I honestly think there is some really funny moments in this movie. And the voice acting is really great. Uh, Bill Murray is good, though mostly he is a disgusting character. And, and I mean, that's who he was written, right? Um, who he was written as. Um, but he, he doesn't really do anything and comes off as like the worst father ever for simply being a lazy slob. Which again, I guess he's doing a good job because that's what was written. But um, he just kind of sort of rubs you the wrong way when you're watching it and especially all these years later I guess the the rose tint is wearing off of those goggles after all of these years and rewatches and another thing about this movie that makes it a fun classic for me is ever since I saw it as a kid uh, I enjoy having the idea of the officers of the nerd and the white blood cell officers patrolling my body and so I always watch this movie when I'm sick it's become a tradition of mine for uh, more than 15 years now wow since I I, yeah, since I started high school, which says I do the math. It's actually 16 years. I remember watching this movie when I was homesick in my first year of high school in 2007. God, we are getting so old. <laughs> now, um, let's talk about um, the budget and the box office and some of that fun behind the scenes stuff that I was talking about before. There is a hilariously cringeworthy The Making Of special that is hosted by Brandy Norwood, the voice of Lee, the mayor's assistant, and Osmosis Jones' love interest. He even has like her photo taped onto the woman in the calendar in his police locker, which is really funny. And as 
she stands in front of this green screen and takes the audience on a tour around the body with some quick quotes from the cast. Uh, there's there's some interesting tidbits, some of the stuff I said about production and how they had to come up with the upside down ideas and different design concepts. And one of my favorite things is that David Hyde Pierce actually said what I said about the movie basically being a buddy cop movie, which I, I, did, I wasn't stealing from him. I, I wrote that in my notes before watching that featurette. Uh, and it's like Lethal Weapon, but for kids. Uh, he also uh, said that he did the movie just for the opportunity to work with Chris Rock, um, which I thought was very interesting. It uh, must be an interesting career and and conversation aspects to, to be inclined to do a project because you really want to work with someone. That's just, it's, it's an interesting aspect of work that I've never had. I've never wanted a job because somebody else was doing that job. It's it's very interesting. So I, I always find it cool when a thespian says that this is one of the reasons they did a movie, that the chance to work with another person in the industry was one that they couldn't say no to, even if the movie isn't something they would regularly do. And I just, I think that's really intriguing and it must be flattering for the other person, I would, I would assume. And one of the other things I found funny in this featurette was now, according to Bill Murray, he thought that the movie really needed the real life aspect that audience wanted to see real faces and not just animated faces which I think is something that was floating around in the 2000s as animated movies started becoming uh, feature films like Shrek and Toy Story and things like that so it's an interesting uh, opinion and point of view that apparently Bill Murray had in the early 2000s this they need a real life face that audiences want that um, and, and he thought that they did a really good job on the scenes and the prompts and the going back and forth between the inside and the outside scenes, the animated and the live action scenes. And now I hate to disagree with Bill Murray because it's Bill Murray, but um, that is absolutely not the case. The animated movie is the best part of the 95 minute runtime for Osmosis Jones. And some of the live action scenes were just the absolute worst, uh, which is shocking considering a lot of the scenes, like I said, before are, are a lot of Bill Murray and Molly Shannon in them. She's Shane's teacher in the movie, so there's this dynamic between them. And and one of the more poorly written aspects of the movie is that um, uh, Frank, Bill Murray's character, gets sick. Um, it's in a flashback at one of Shane's science uh, fairs, and this also played into why Osmosis Jones is like been demoted on the police force because, again, Frank ate something disgusting, and and osmosis was down in the stomach and he was truly certain that he saw some sort of gross uh, bacteria coming into Frank in his stomach so he hit the emergency puke button in the stomach and this got him demoted because nobody else saw it and in the uh, real life scene it's like this over dramatic throwing up moment and, and Frank throws up directly on Molly Shannon and for this reason she uh, has a restraining order on him and because the photo got published in the newspaper, he lost his job. And this was like the pivotal moment where their life, his life, Frank and Shane's life became like much worse. And I was just like, that is a really weak, like, why would you have a restraining order on somebody because they accidentally threw up on you because they ate something that like made them sick? I don't know. Like it was just, it was poorly written. It didn't make any sense. Um, and like I said, 
said, it's so, it's, it's so uh, confounding when you have two really great actors, two really great comedic actors, and their scenes just kind of fall flat and they're not that funny. And and a lot of them just felt like forced or stiff. And, and compared to the amazing, over-the-top, way more fluid animated scenes in the body, it was, I could completely understand the critics saying that it was, there was a disconnect and it felt uneven. Um, and now, despite all that effort and put into making the film the the creativity over creating a whole body you know a whole city inside a body and the different amazing voice actors and all the actors in the live action um and the the relatively large budget of 75 million dollars uh osmosis jones struggled to find success at the box office it opened to a hugely disappointing reception earning only 14 million dollars in its opening weekend and by the end of its theatrical run it grossed only 14.3 million domestically so literally its opening weekend it earned 99.9 percent of its entire money domestically and internationally it didn't do fair much better it got 14.7 million and a total whopping 29 million on a 75 million dollar budget is a definition of a box office bomb now the film's lukewarm box office performance can be attributed to a variety of factors many of which i've already covered childish humor crude jokes and uneven performance between the live action and the animated sequences and an emphasis on gross out humor the Critically, the film received mixed reviews, while some appreciated its creativity and clever concept, others found it to be a bit too chaotic and disjointed. The blend of animation and live action was a point of contention for some critics. Like I said, it felt jarring and uneven in execution, and a lot of critics simply wrote it off as a kid's movie with too much gross-out humor. The movie currently has 56% critic rating and a 42% audience rating. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which I found surprising. Usually movies like this, the audience score is a tad higher, though I guess this one is my mom and all of our friends' parents having had sit through this movie and then writing it poorly back in the day. And unfortunately for our parents, it didn't end on the big screen. While the meager earnings from the box office definitely rules out the possibility of a second feature film, however, after the release of Osmosis Jones in 2001, the zany adventure of Ozzy and Drix would continue in the form of a television series called Ozzy and Drix. This was the joke that I was alluding to earlier. Now, the spin-off of the series took the core concept of the characters from the film and expanded them into a whole new animated world, which I absolutely loved. I watched all two seasons. It premiered in 2002 and ran for, like I said, two seasons with a total of 26 episodes. The show introduced viewers to a new adventures and hijinks within the human body, and this time with a stronger focus on the comedic storytelling and educational elements which brings us back to the roots of the magic school bus but now even more zany and wild and the series followed uh the titular characters again ozzy the white blood cell and drix the cold pill so exactly what we got from the movie and we took the characters into a whole new world now they're navigating through the city of hector cruz who served as their new host and in the very first episode 
episode of Ozzy and Drix, we get to see an animated Frank that has the subtle likeness of Bill Murray, and Ozzy and Drix are sucked up by a mosquito, and then they wind up, they manage to escape the mosquito on the next person that it lands on, and they end up in Hector Cruz, a young boy attending school. And in each episode, Ozzy and Drix uh, face various health-related challenges, battling uh, harmful bacteria and viruses and other microscopic threats to keep Hector healthy. Now, the movie may not have been very successful at the box office, but it had created a unique entertaining world inside the human body, which resonated with audience, particular, particularly young viewers like myself, recognized the potential of this concept, and so did Warner Brothers Animated, and they decided to adapt it into this television series to further explore the comedic and educational aspects of the premises. The premise? premises premise and so the animated series retained core characters from the film uh, with the very talented Phil Lamar known for his work as Hermes on Futurama stepping into the voice of Ozzy and while Drix was now voiced by Jeff Bennett uh, who is known for being the voice of Johnny Bravo which he actually continued to do uh, while doing the voice of Drix he there was an overlap for about two years there and the chemistry between these two characters remained the central aspect aspect of the show with their contrasting personalities and the dynamic driving all the humor and adventures that they went on. Uh, one notable change was a shift in focus. They didn't have any live action sequences now. It was all animated and they really focused on bringing the microscopic world to life and this allowed for more exploration of the inner workings of the human body with different episodes delving into different various systems and functions, providing educational tidbits as they went along in a more fun and accessible way very like i said very magic school bus uh the show also introduced new characters um such as maria amino the brainy and resourceful mayor of hector's brain and um one of thrax's henchmen uh he's a distant cousin i believe uh strep finger i found that one funny strep finger now uh these additions expanded the world uh, really well and provided all new dynamics for storytelling and uh, all different uh, different aspects. It was, it was really well done. There was a lot of world building and, and, and really good stories and adventures to be had. It, it maintained the same humor and tongue-in-cheek style like innuendos as, as, as the film, combining entertainment and educational comment, uh, content. It aimed to engage young viewers, and it presented science in, in a really cool way. Um, and, and that that was Ozzy and Drix. It was a great... Uh, uh, it was a great use of the IP, and I think that's something that doesn't happen often anymore. You know, you get like the Secret Life of Pets or DC World of Super Pets and stuff, and there's no follow up. The movie does poorly, and it's just like abandoned ship, let it sink. We're never going to use it again. Um, I really enjoy having uh, the IPs adapted into TV series, it gives it another life, another chance. Um, episodic uh, approach has much more room to grow to introduce characters slow down the pace introduce you know different problems as you go along and i think that was one of the the strong points of osmosis jones is that they did a really good job building this whole concept of a world inside the human body and then thankfully they had some really smart thinking forward thinking um executives at the time at warner brothers animation that they like i said they they 
recognized that and they were able to adapt this IP, this Osmosis Jones into a, you know, a nice Aussie and Drix and it's a fast, you know, it, it's a fast paced action adventure animated series that can build on itself and has the room of you know 14 or 13 episodes per season and they were able to really accomplish something that maybe the movie failed to accomplish and i think that's that's cool working on you know what came before and making it you know a more successful story about oh yeah that that movie became a tv show and the tv show was really good and i think that should happen more often i would love to see more of that um but that actually wraps up today's episode that is another thrilling episode of the nerd review this has been the nerd review of osmosis jones and ozzy and drix uh, i hope you had as much fun listening and nerding out as i did and before signing off of this episode i would like to take a moment to say how incredibly humbled and grateful i am to announce that the nerd review has hit 2,000 all-time listeners it's an exciting milestone as we also celebrate the nerd review hitting one year that's right it's been a whole year since the first episode was uploaded one year tomorrow july 6th 2022 was the first episode theodore rex hit the airwaves uh, and i want to extend a heartfelt thank you to each and every one of you who has listened and who has shared these geeky conversations the nerd review could not have reached this milestone without you and i am thrilled to continue bringing you more nerdy content in the years to come hopefully many years thank you for being a part of this nerd review family as dom says on uh, fast and the furious and uh, remember to subscribe and share with your fellow geeks to spread the nerdum and stay tuned for the next episode which i think i just gave you a little bit of a hint of uh, we'll be diving back into fast and furious franchise for part two of the special with more epic discussions and reviews so until then keep embracing your inner nerd exploring new realms of geekdom and let your earner your inner nerdum thrive see i'm still practicing that one i can't get it out this has been the nerd review of osmosis jones and this is the nerd signing off.